and we're back. Back again. Back at it again. Best <laughs> podcast on earth. <laughs> yeah, indeed. The best podcast ever. The prefer not to say podcast. Oh, yeah. Episode two, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> back again, we're your favorite hosts of all time in history of things. Matter. Staying humble. <laughs> matter and dark matter. <laughs> Always humble. Oh, man. All right. But yeah, we're here. It's your boys, your hosts. You got James Bunn, a.k.a. Boutique Paul. And, and right across from me is Greg Tenbrink, also known as Fajita Jones. Fajita Jones. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> if, you're, if you aren't aware, I'm giving him a nickname every single episode. We should make baseball cards of those. Oh, it was going to be fake IDs. Yeah, that too. But we should, we should, we should do baseball cards also. Everyone's just a, a picture of me in a different pose, different outfit. No, we're just gonna take baseball, different baseball cards with actual players, and just oh, throw wow. it, and throw your face on them. <laughs> I'm behind it 100. percent Oh, so right. so before we get into today's episode, anything new going on with you um, since we last recorded about a week ago, or any any uh anything you want to say that you might have forgot to mention, or corrections you might have to make from the last episode? Uh, no, I feel like there's something that I should though. No, no, I just, I just, I just saw a shake. But I forgot to mention that I have a sister when I was talking about my family. So oh. shout out to my sister Eleanor. I love you. You know, she's probably gonna, you know, maybe listen to this. If she listens to this, I'm probably gonna get a text saying you guys are so slow. <laughs> and I also forgot to mention when I was talking about internet boyfriend, he actually has a new single out now. His album came out in 2018. He's got a new single. It's called Between. So go listen to that. Heck yeah. But yeah, today's episode, we are here to talk about values. Values. The face kind and the faceless kind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and what we mean by that is we have two completely different schools of thought that we operate on. Mm Mm-hmm. Where, uh, where one of us uh, tends to just kind of look at everything at face value and really just absorb the surface elements, the sort of end result. Um, the other tends rips to rips the face off. Yeah, dives deep into the the, the framework, the skeleton of the the media he's consuming, or and the organs, work he's and the in. skin, yeah, other things, the meaty bits, <laughs> the meaty bits, the meat and potatoes, <laughs> maybe a little bit of vegetables if you're lucky. <clears throat> Maybe. Man, vegetables are important. Don't meaty vegetables. <laughs> you say meaty vegetables? Huh? Did you say meaty vegetables? No, I said vegetables are important. Don't maybe the vegetables. Oh, don't maybe the vegetables. I said meaty vegetables. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, Arby's made those those meat vegetables. So. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, they did. Meaty veggies. Yeah. So we should probably start this off by talking about the face. Your face. Oh. Well, okay, face is going first. All right. So, so just basically exp- explain where where does the where does this point of view originate? Was it always something that just sort of was um, a thing, or did something influence it? I think I think over time, like uh, in my youth, I kind of witnessed other people like getting too involved with well, not too involved. I shouldn't say that. You know, they were getting super involved with it, with whatever they were consuming, and they were like picking things apart to understand like the very finer elements of whatever they were talking about. And I felt like they were doing a whole lot of work that was unnecessary for me to just enjoy the product, you know? So when it comes to like seeing a movie, listening to music, uh, reading a book, I don't need to understand the, the the finer elements, the underlying like tone of whatever the media is. I just need to observe the final product with a complete blank slate. Like I don't go into it with any type of expectation. And then I get a most honest reaction from myself about the the thing that I'm consuming. Because so like eating a piece of candy, you don't care what's in it; it just tastes yeah. good. Like it's it's why I'm not super picky when it comes to like food or like when somebody's like, "Hey, here's here's this new Mexican candy. Try it out." And I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Well, I don't trust those anyway. I I don't care. I'll just risk it. Just throw it in, taste <laughs> it. I'm like, hmm, spice and sugar, not my thing. Spit it out and be like, "All right." <laughs> yeah, I had this one Mexican candy once that was. It was chili powder, just coated, like a coated in a ball around this little tiny pineapple candy. Mm-hmm. And the pineapple candy was like a pebble because I decided to throw it in some water just to see, you know, how long it take to dissolve. This whole thing was, it's like, yo, just give me the packet of chili powder. I'll just eat that. <laughs> like, why are you trying to, it was gross too. It almost seems kind of waxy and 
Ugh, I don't know. It was gross. It's different, man. I think you got to like either grow up liking it or have like a specific palate to enjoy it. I like some of them, just not all of them. Yeah, I can see you. You got to find you got to find the ones that fit. So, so with this point of view, is it ever are there any drawbacks to it? Um there's one major drawback and and it's it's not so much a drawback for me because it doesn't bother me. It bothers other people. When I when I tell them how I appreciate stuff, when I when I tell them how I how I go about seeing movies and reading books and stuff, they're like, "Well, you know, you don't understand the whole point of the movie or whatever oh, the thing is." Oh, that the, kind the, of the the guy who tries to be like, "Oh, you don't understand the art." It's like, "I'm I'm literally the intended consumer of this product. They created something, and they want it to be watched. I'm a I'm a person who paid money to watch it. Like <laughs> they almost invalidate my opinion just because I'm like I don't care about the deeper stuff. Well, those people don't really know as much as they, you know. Those are the people that said the the duct tape banana was actual art. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a joke to start too. It, 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 it doesn't matter, of, dude. The art community is so weird. Like, oh. <sighs> The, the the high finance art world where like you have stuff that's selling for like forty million that's that's just money laundering. Let's all be real about it. Well, it's <laughs> also just and it's also things where it's you know you have to be in that kind of mindset where you believe it because I just look at things like okay, I guess this is kind of cool. It's a you know it's a picture of a squirrel taped to a tree. <laughs> Everything's that, taped that to was, something that now. Was, that was made into a pencil. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> no, I, I, I like when a uh, situation is like Banksy likes mm-hmm. to troll people like that painting that you know that shredded it, itself. it sold and then it shredded itself upon sale and it was funny because there was some i don't know if it was an art dealer or um enthusiast whoever they were like yeah this is probably worth double now that that happened i was like how why like why are you all so weird uh, uh, that one i kind of understand though it's the significance of the event it's like this dude just sold something and destroyed it in front of you yeah, that, yeah that's true that is a <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it doubled in value. I'd say it, like, retained some of the value, but it's still destroyed artwork, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's uh, it's almost like... Like, if it was $100,000, it'd probably be, like, 30000 now. Because it's, right. it's trash, but it's trash that was used in something hilarious. Right. But this was, like, one point something million. Someone said it, it was probably worth $2 million now that it got mm-hmm. shredded. But I was like, it's Banksy. It also has to do with the fact that no one knows who this dude is. So he's got the mystique of, oh... <laughs> This mysterious character. I could be your neighbor. I'm not, but I could. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's almost like the um that one copy of the Wu Tang album that sold mm. and Pharma Bro bought it, which is currently being held with all his other assets. <laughs> Joe Rogan was talking about his podcast once that he wants to try to buy it. I don't know if it was a podcast or if it was an interview with somebody. He he said he wants to try to buy it if he can. Hell yeah. Buy it. Release it to the world. That needs to be heard. That's part of the contract. You're just not allowed to replicate it for sale. You can do listening parties. You can release it for free online. And he's just a douche, so he didn't. Oh, whack. He even said he'd even listen to the whole thing. Super whack. Well, Farmer right. Bro is the dude who just buys up stuff just to be like, ha you can't have this. Right? Farmer Bro is the epitome of a trust fund brat with, like, no moral compass. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that mentality. He's like, I have what you don't. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's also like um, one world I will never fully understand is the theater world, and and that's why like I don't try to understand anything. See, like, that well, that's what, that's one I don't even know if you can. It's just people who get it get it, and if you don't, you just don't. Like I just look at it like, and, and it's not even like uh, it's not an industry. It's not a part of the entertainment industry where you even make a lot of money doing it because a lot mm-hmm. of the people who own theater companies they just pour whatever they make back into the company. Like if you like if you're one of the stars of the show or part of the company, it's like you make a you know you make, you make a living, mm-hmm. but it's not you're not like super rich. You know you use that as a jumping point to go to other things. But yeah, but there's just something as I see like, why do people like this? Maybe it's like I'm, I'm maybe I'm not in on the joke. Why do people like cats? Wait, I like mean that's the, a musical, the, yeah. so I guess it has a little bit more. But you know the non musical theater work, I'm just like. Especially when you get, especially especially when it seems like it's supposed to be super deep, but you're just like, what's going on here? 
I don't get why this is happening. See, it was something like cats. <laughs> I I can't get into it because of my specific approach. Like there could be an underlying message or theme going on that you're, I don't you're think liking, there is. I, when I I've heard it's just really random the if, whole time. If I go to see that, all I'm seeing is cat people. All I'm seeing is. Like, meaning no offense, because I don't mind the people, some of my friend are, but I'm just seeing furries running around having fun. Like, <laughs> just living their best life. Yeah. So when I see that, I'm like, okay, this is like, it's 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 cool, but this isn't like something I want to watch. <laughs> it's like going to a playground and watching people jump around in the swing and stuff when you're a kid, when you could just be doing it yourself. Yeah, it's true. You know? So next question. Are there any exceptions? Are there any exceptions? Yes. Um... <clears throat> yeah there's 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 occasional exceptions it's it's more or less if there's something that i've found i'm so like obsessively interested in then i will dig a little bit but i won't dig too far because i know if i do it'll ruin it for me so what, what about the the time traveling primer, the time <laughs> that, traveling that, primer. that had your mind boggled for days well, <laughs> When I saw that, my first thought was like, this is cool, but it also seems real, you know? It's the type of movie that made me think, I'm going to go into a garage and build this because it seems plausible. <laughs> like, I have I have no none of the wherewithal to actually do it, but I want to. <laughs> well, but, it's also a movie, you don't you don't really have to know anything in order to enjoy it. I mean, Pete, there's a, I've you know, come across a lot of people who couldn't get past the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because I just want to tell them, just make it past that. It gets so good after. Yeah. You have to get through the halfway point and then from there it just starts to unravel in this crazy adventure i would say that's definitely one of the movies that that became a a little bit of an exception because you know like i watched it the first time and i was like this is a good you know time travel movie you know i'm interested in this but then you started explaining about how he uh what was he took like a course in physics or whatever to pick up all the no he didn't take a course in physics. he just studied physics he was a software engineer already so he could talk Tech talk, but like he picked up all the all the the jargon to use in in the uh, dialogue, and then like the second go through watching it, showing it to uh, my friends, um, I started to pay attention to it more, and it kind of it helped with the immersion, but it wasn't necessary for me. But for the people who look for like more layers, I guess you know it's it's good for them. But what's well, also one of those things where I just told you it's a time travel movie, but not quite how you expect it to be. <laughs> You're like, okay. And then you watch it and then it just totally mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like blindsides you like, Oh, here's something totally weird in a movie with no, no digital special effects. Mm-hmm. The other thing with, uh, with the, uh, with the faces point of view is that I don't like, I don't like clout chasing. Like, I don't like to know who was in what. I mean, obviously, you can't get around knowing which actors are in which films. I mean, you'll you'll recognize somebody's voice. You'll know an artist making their music. But, like, when it comes to, like, writers, directors, so on and so forth, I try to avoid knowing who did it. Like, even with the comic books I read, I mean, their names are all over the cover. I write past it every time. <laughs> I try not to look at it. I don't want to know who wrote this. I don't want to know who was on the storyboard for that. I don't know. I don't want to know who directed that. Because it allows me to approach it without bias. So I'm not, I don't go into a movie and think, oh man, so-and-so directed this, it's going to be a good movie. Or I don't go into a movie and think, oh, so-and-so directed this, it's going to be bad. Like everybody sits on Michael Bay because he makes Explosions the movie. Well, he makes bad movies. That's well, a, that's an absolute. That's there's no there's no subjectivity. There's a, the, he gets a, I give him a, I give him a pass for Armageddon because it wasn't his fault. <laughs> he was given 16 weeks to do that entire movie. See, that's that's where that's where I I, I guess I, I differ because I don't hate all of Michael Bay's movies. I don't like all of them, but I don't hate them. And I'm not like oh, I don't hate all of bad, them. I'm not know? like he only makes bad movies. There's plenty of movies in there that I that I genuinely enjoyed. I think the only movie that I actually like really enjoy is The Rock. Yeah, that that's one I like. I don't care for the Bad Boys movies. <laughs> Transformers One was okay, and then it just sort of kind of fell off. I don't know, man. See, I approached it without like any intent or anything, and I just I enjoyed the ride all the way through the Transformers movies. It's not something I'm gonna go back and like rewatch. It's not something that's ex- like incredibly memorable, but I don't regret spending money to see those movies. Would you say, being your comic book guy, mm-hmm. do you take the stories for face value? 
because you you're you know you get pretty deep in the history so, and other things along when it comes to the stories and characters that's that's the other thing that that becomes sort of a uh exception point now it's not it's not that I, I I don't take the stories too seriously because if you try to overanalyze everything, it kind of peels it apart. It, it destroys the mystique of comic books. You know, when they started doing all this time travel stuff, this parallel reality crap, you're like, where's the science to support it? And it just starts making everything seem silly. But then you got to take a step back and realize comics are meant to be silly. Like there's there's people doing ridiculous <clears throat> stuff like clapping suns out of existence and fucking superman pulling his face and shape-shifting into aliens and crap it's like it's it's meant well, what to do you expect from characters that have been around it for decades you got to do something <laughs> right i mean <laughs> you know it, there's nothing really too interesting they do anymore it's like what kind of crazy thing can they do actually i've i was reading articles recently that i didn't realize that the it's not that it's failing but the american comic book industry isn't booming no i don't i don't think it's going to um at least not, and at least not, you know. I think it's mainly surviving because all the people who like grew up reading comic books are still buying comic books, and that's what's like providing them with that, that at least the, uh, the 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 comic book income to you know self sustain that industry. But like, I, I don't see people really getting the younger crowd into it. Well, yeah. I mean, the main staples are also owned by major corporations that can just you know, it doesn't yeah. matter if the comics are good, we could still make movies. You all yeah. still make money anyway. Yeah. It's uh, the complete opposite with uh, <laughs> manga and anime, though. Oh, that's... that's the, those, you know, there's certain volumes that are constantly, like, certain series that are breaking records for sales. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's because Japan's weird. They do they do one of two things. One, they can make a story out of anything. Oh, for sure. Random combinations. And two, they actually know, unless it's a long-time series, which one of the strengths is they can actually keep a series going forever and keep it good. Mm -hmm. But they also know how to end stories sometimes. Like, they'll do a one-shot series, and that's it. And they'll end it. Don't need to bring it back. For sure. You know, over here, we got, you know, you got some of, like, the indie comic book companies and, you know, maybe some of the bigger ones have, like, major players doing, like, one-offs and stuff like that. But for the most part, you got the same thing kind of. I think the issue over here, the reason we don't uh, have anything that really, really explodes like manga, is that we always leave <clears throat> things open-ended. You know, have you noticed that? Like, all the TV shows, all the movies... Everybody kind of, kind of leaves an opening in the end for the possibility of... Of coming back. Yeah. Whereas, like, anime, there'll be, like, 12 episodes, that's all you get, and it'll just die right there. There's no there's no more, there's no nothing, like, you don't right. need Right, or, or, or the manga was, uh, oh, 14 volumes, that's it. Yeah. But, <laughs> that's the difference. You get comic books, and it's like, oh, man, end of a huge <laughs> uh, story arc. Uh, it's, 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 they just rebooted the... Uh, the franchise they did their old universe restart that they do every like two three years right. except for and, spawn did you <laughs> know spawn, spawn is one of the only series on the long time that's been around a long time that has not reset uh issue numbers well spawn doesn't really need to yeah i mean, I mean he's he doesn't age no he doesn't he <laughs> he's, doesn't, he's a being he doesn't, doesn't need to I mean, even without the age thing, it's like it's Spawn, and then you have an infinite amount of whatever hellscape bull stuff you want to put up against him. You know, <laughs> right. so you can always have a story. With whereas, like with all these established characters, there's only so much you can do before you're like, all right, reset button. I want to do this a little bit differently. Right, and uh, I think I also noticed one of the issues is it's still an industry. It's largely over oversaturated with way too much testosterone. Yeah, but I don't think we're ever going to get away from that. Well, yeah, that's the thing. We're not, because you, you got to think about it. Over in Japan, the amount of popular series that are written by females, not even just female series. Like, did you ever watch uh, the show or movie X? No. Oh, it's really, it's a, uh, I think it's like, um, I think it's like an apocalypse oriented story i mean there's obviously like some sort of like fantasy element with it. people who have powers and stuff like that but it's written by a group of women mm -hmm. and it's like this really intense stuff is written by a group of women and i'm just like man they're doing stuff way more hardcore than the most manly of dudes over here in the states <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the other thing it's almost like uh, how blade runner 2049 didn't make numbers it's because most of the most of the audience went to see it were middle-aged males well I mean, go figure. <laughs> but, I mean, it is what it is, you know. So, 
Let's see what what more what what, what more can we ask this, of the yeah, face? Yeah, what's more can I ask of the face? Because well, so, the face is in front of the so, face. So this this is this is the thing. You're like, oh, well, I'm gonna deep dive and understand the face. I'm like, it's pretty shallow, man. Like, don't die. That's the worst part. It's like, oh no. It is intentionally shallow, but because it's just it's just the face. It's better. It's like I don't know. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's just more satisfying to me to just be like, all right. I'm just going to enjoy this, and then, all right, I'm good. I don't need no more. I don't need to dive into it. I don't need to understand more. Oh, another exception, video games. Um, This isn't, like, an understanding the plot or the theme or anything like that, but, like, when it comes to video games and the mechanical side of it, um, I'm, a, I'm I get to a point where I become, like, a number cruncher type of person. Where I'm like, okay, I need to understand everything about this specific aspect of this video game and how they how they wrote the math for it, so I can manipulate it in my favor in the best way. I do that a lot. <laughs> so there's certain things you're like, I'm gonna grind this down to the most basic elements and just wreck everything. It's a little ridiculous. Like I'll be on their websites if, if they don't have it like publicly posted in a forum or something. I'll start messaging the development team like, hey, what's your exact mathematic formula for breaking down the damage in this game or whatever? And like, wow, I, I don't. I I just need to know any game that gives me like some sort of like statistical choice like ah your character leveled up do you want one more point in strength or dexterity I'm like I need to understand every single possible outcome for this decision and how it applies to my character's growth and then like, wow <laughs> I don't I just get super obsessive about it and like especially if it's like a multiplayer game then I start to annoy people because I'll be sitting there for like five minutes like all right uh which one should i pick blah blah blah, and i'll start breaking it down i'll bust out my that's why i have a, a notepad next to my uh computer at all times <laughs> <'Cause I'll laughs> start doing the math but um but yeah i, I don't know why i just I get obsessed about some stuff like that other than that i'm i'm super pretty basic pretty super basic when it comes to enjoying stuff do you find it limiting no i i and and it to the contrary, I find it extremely freeing because I can I, I can see anything and with with reckless abandon and just be like, I enjoyed that or I didn't enjoy that. I don't have to be like, so-and-so just made this. I'm going to go check it out and just be like, there's a thing. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> it. It leaves me open to try absolutely anything that comes my way, I should say. I, I don't have a bias to where somebody will be like, here's this. I don't want to watch it because it's not about this type of stuff or it's not made by these type of people. The only restriction I have is purely an entertainment standpoint is I generally avoid stuff that can happen in the scope of reality. Like my preference is towards stuff that shouldn't be possible. So like time travel, people with superpowers. This, like This actually <laughs> goes into a question that I've been waiting to ask. Now I've always wondered about that because I've, no, I've, you know, I've come across multiple people in my life who are like that. Is there any sense where you're jaded on reality or you just don't want to be a part of reality when you're consuming content? Um, I would say, so I spend a lot of time like quiet, you know, either not talking or just, you know, being alone. And when I am, I'm off in my own mind thinking about anything. And so a lot Good of or the, bad. Yeah. So a lot of the normal stuff that will that you'll see in media in a in a story in a movie in whatever i've already thought about it at some point and so when i start watching those movies i'll just keep using film for examples but when i when i start watching those films i kind of know how everything's going to play out and it doesn't really entertain me past that point you know it's like it's like reading a book for the 15th time you know every word in order that's coming it doesn't doesn't surprise you, doesn't uh, bring forth any new ideas or any complicated thoughts, you know. But then you see something like uh, uh, an alien invasion movie, and then you start thinking about, well, what if aliens really did invade? What what if they were like this? Like, how would you approach it? And the, I don't know. I just start thinking in that line as opposed to a more realistic narrative. I wouldn't say I'm jaded. I'll still watch them. But I'll still read them, but it's less interesting. Well, well, that's that's the question because it's like you know everyone has their different reasons for it. Some people don't like certain things because they you know it might remind them of something they just absolutely like. No, my mind doesn't need to go there. <laughs> no, um, I have I have mastered my depression. I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
actually another oh another question i wanted to ask do you always see eye to eye with people who share this point of view um no um a lot of people who who have this point of view uh, i shouldn't say a lot because i have no like study versus, you don't have like a like, basis of comparison yeah, i don't have like oh there's 50 out of these 50 that like whatever but um most people i've met that have the same mentality uh how can i say this without it sounding terrible they have almost an aversion to anything of quality and they have this opinion just to justify the bad things that they're interested in so like they, they become a bit of a uh an an anti-society contrarian type deal so like people people who will say they have the same mentality as me are only using it as an explanation for them to be all about the stuff that other people aren't about you know okay yeah well i've also noticed uh the one thing i'm always wary of people with that opinion or sharing that mentality is a lot of times they're often people who are pseudo intellectuals with superiority complexes. <laughs> yeah. It's like they take, they take everything at face absorbed so much and just think they're already smarter than everybody. Cause they know like, you know, the first two pages of everything ever. Yeah. That's why I tell people like going into it and people try to like, I've had these conversations with people and they're like, Oh man, you're so smart. You sound so like, I'm not, I'm not smart. I'll tell you point blank. I have a lot of surface level information that is not really valuable. Like the, the, the key thing that people need to understand is that like, I don't care how much you think, you know, you don't know as much as you should know, or you really know, I shouldn't say should know. There's no like requirement on knowledge. Um, but those people who are like, Oh, I'm so smart. This I'm so smart that it's like, you realize you probably only know not even 2% of the entire knowledge base available to our species. <laughs> right. When all I have to do is do a quick Google search to prove you wrong. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> Somebody's like, like wait, wait, ah. hold on. What's that? Hold on. Let me Google this real quick. You're wrong. <laughs> I do it all the time. Cause like this, the, the, something, the things that I am super knowledgeable about, they'll like challenge me on it. They're like, no, that wasn't written by so-and-so. That was written by this guy. I'm like, you sure? Because Google said, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like sharing something by only reading the title it's yeah like everyone does that yeah for and they me, go on this rant and rave it's like did you guys read the article <laughs> apparently not it's it's like the one i shared like many years ago it was it was it was like satirical it was about how guys don't want to approach women anymore and like people got all crazy offended we're like oh this is butthurt. this is this is sexist this is ridiculous i'm like this whole thing's a joke you know that right <laughs> like i get the title's kind of clickbaity but still well it's, it's like those people who think uh you know they'll only do online dating and i'll just be like go talk to a girl girls don't want to be approached randomly in public that's not true that's dude it's it's circumstantial it depends on the area depends on what you're doing like if, if if i'm in a grocery store and they're like following a list and shopping and shit i'm like she's got something big planned i'm not interrupting her <laughs> but and that but, might have been your shot and you just don't know it right but but still though it's like it's you gotta you gotta understand the 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 nuances to it i should say but. well the other problem is the the dudes who typically think this they're they're the dudes that the women don't want to be approached by yeah as as sad as that to say that's usually what it is like no they don't want to talk to you <laughs> those dudes may be trying too hard man like if, if that's your viewpoint you're like oh women don't want to be approached like stop thinking of every single female as a potential partner like just <laughs> yeah. make some friends that's what i do <laughs> those dudes those dudes are in the perpetual friend zone well <laughs> or the first the, off <laughs> First off, that shit ain't real. Second, <laughs> second, what's so bad about it if it is real? Big whoop, you just made a friend. Like, the fuck? I'm not That's upset fine. that I have friends. Come on. I just love this thing. It's just some <laughs> picture of this badly drawn person. He said, it's like, you make a, make a girl chocolate milk and she won't have the sex with you. What's the point? <laughs> uh. I'm glad that we can joke about it though, because maybe maybe they'll just understand that they're taking shit too seriously. That's the other thing, like the 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 face personality, the whole surface level stuff. I get very simple when I when I approach people. You know, if I if I'm trying to talk to somebody, I won't like bullshit and be like, hey, blah blah. blah. I'm gonna try to get to. You. If I genuinely am interested in this person, I'm just gonna flat out tell them like, hey, 
I like you. I'm trying to learn more about you. You free to hang out sometime? And I won't say it like this, but I'll pick a place that's non-threatening because I know I'm like I can be scary looking sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people tell me. I've had past girlfriends tell me that they're like, honestly, I didn't want to talk to you at first. I'm like, why? They're like, you look like a biker. I'm like, I'm not a biker. <laughs> I'm just big and have a beard. <laughs> oh, fun. but hey, it's that yeah, it's that face mentality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They got to dig deeper into Greg, even though that doesn't make sense. Right. That's like the strange dichotomy you have. You have to like dig deep to get to know you, but everything else in your Super ideology simple. is the complete opposite. I, I I think people are trying too hard when they're trying to get to know me. I'm I I at least think I'm real simple. You know, I'm just I'm just living life and I'm trying to have fun. That's all there is to it. But then they're like, well, yeah, but what makes you tick? What makes you have fun? Like, and they ask all these questions. Like, God, <laughs> fucking damn. <laughs> <laughs> Like, chill out. You're doing too much. Well, I think it's about that time for a water break. Yeah, the face is tired about talking about himself. (laughs) (laughs) The face is tired of talking about the face. (laughs) All right, you know the drill. Drink that water. And we're back. I hope you got hydrated while we were gone. Yeah, we definitely did. I needed it. <laughs> After talking so much about yourself. Man, it is so rough. It's, it's this, like sitting in the hot seat getting asked the 20 questions. Like, come on. All right, please. You, you talk more about yourself than you ever desired to in the next decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2020 no one's gonna learn anything about um, greg because he just laid it all on the line on one the, episode of a podcast i said it in the first episode i'm like it'll come out <coughs> organically like we don't have to like have this intro thing <laughs> all right so we talked about the face now let's rip the face off all right so talk about the faceless so i guess i'll let you guide this interview kind of style <laughs> Well, this Fun. is good. this is gonna let everybody know enough about us to understand our viewpoints when it comes to talking about media in the following episodes. But okay, Mister Faceless, um, sounds like a sounds like a comic book character, Mister. Right. Like he like could have been in Watchmen. Yeah, that's that's why when you proposed the face and the faceless, I didn't even have to think about it. I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. So, I suppose my first question, bridging from face to faceless would be what how would you exactly define your point of view as the faceless individual like i would say i would say it's like you know you're diving super hard into stuff but i'm sure you have a more i'll say artistic uh definition of what it is you do when you consume media well yeah it kind of goes back to the fact that i'm just enamored with the process of things Mm mm-hmm it's it's not even like specifically to like deep dive just to deep dive. It's not like a pragmatic thing. It's just I've always I've always appreciated the process behind things. Like one of my biggest things when it comes to media and art in general is the preservation of the art form is just as important as preserving the art. So when I look at it, I almost have I almost have to exist because you exist. <laughs> it's like Batman and Joker. One of them has to exist in order for the other two. Right. So that's how I kind of look at it. But it's also being the fact that I'm a creative person myself, I'm always looking for that. Like, who did what? How was this done? Because it's, I kind of take that and apply it to what I'm going to be doing. Okay. So when you, when you approach something like that and you, and you deep dive and you <coughs> learn all of these different things, these di- different influences for, let's say, the movie that you were just watching, you you see it as an opportunity to understand that that particular piece of art um maybe learn a few new things and cherry pick what you need and then apply it to your own future film that you intend on making yeah and it's also it it helps me it helps me appreciate things more it's kind of the opposite effect i appreciate it more which is why i watch a lot of older cinema like if you watched cinema through the 50s and 60s that influence is still poured over into modern movies so the more older movies I watch, the more I start to understand where other artists in this age are coming from. Okay. Okay. You know, I also, you know, I, I like to play six degrees of separation with any art I consume because mm-hmm. I'll look at it. Oh, who wrote this? What else do they write? I found out they've written several movies that I like. And I'm like, oh, that's why I like it. Because, you know, and it's more so people with a signature. Like I'm, I'm much more into that kind of like auteur 
artists mm-hmm. where it's, you know, they're the kind of visionary things or the, they're more the visionary type works. You know, I mean, that's why it's so hard to watch mainstream films in the nineties because you didn't really have that for a while. Okay. A lot of the generic, you know, <clears throat> mostly from the comedies and action movies, it was just a lot of point and shoot. It, and there were more acting vehicles. Like, you know, Adam Sandler movies were Adam Sandler movies. doesn't matter who directed it. It's yeah. an Adam Sandler movie, that's which true. I love Adam Sandler. So that's not, a, that's not a, that's not a slight against him because there are movies that I still enjoy in that regard. Like, you know, I love watching Joe dirt. That's not a good movie by any means, but David Spade plays the hell out of that character. See, now this is where I got to say, did you, did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Oh dude, I, I watch it anytime it's syndicated on cable. Then, then it's a good movie. <laughs> I, I, I think the thing is I can do both. I can look at certain things with face value mm-hmm. and certain things where I deep dive, like, you know, with certain directors, like, well, I'll take I'll take a generic kind of artsy guy, Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. He's a guy I would say objectively doesn't make bad movies. Okay, his weakest movies are maybe there's this movie Insomnia he did with Robin Williams and Al Pacino, and I think Hilary Swank's in it too. That was one of his weaker ones, but that was one he didn't write; he just directed that. And then Dark Knight Rises might be weaker, but compare that as a superior movie to other ones if that's one of his weaker movies holy crap i loved it every second of it i mean i i enjoyed it i think it's like you know you're taking the spectrum of if you had to pick a weaker one because he doesn't make bad movies Mm -hmm. even if they're movies that you particularly wouldn't be into he knows how there's a reason he's successful that's no accident okay he's just talented and you know that's why and his movies keep getting bigger and bigger each time you know because it's like he started his first movie was this movie called following Mm-hmm. Which was something he shot. I think it cost like six thousand dollars. He shot it on weekends over a year or two or something like that. Just small crew, you know, a few actors, and then from there he did Memento, which was you know I think it was made for like a million or so dollars, and that was really what you know kind of catapulted him into like oh this dude's the next big thing because of how it was you know it was it was like a ten it was kind of like a shift for the average movie coming out because it's a movie it's split in half cut into sections the first half's playing forward and the other half is cut up in sections or being played in reverse and then it meets up in the middle one half's in black and white and the other's in color okay so it's just he just totally just flipped it when it come to being like oh this is definitely like an artsier move and uh originally didn't even get um he was having a hard time with distribution so i think the company that produced it actually started their own distribution company to distribute it then from there he did insomnia from insomnia he did batman begins Obviously, the success of that pretty much made it so, you know, Warner Brothers made it. Warner Brothers made it so because of the success of this, he got to make whatever he wanted. So after that, he does The Prestige, which is based off a book, and the screenplay is co written with his brother. And I think that stars, yeah, that stars Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale, which I'm really disappointed no one's gotten them both in a movie together again since (laughs) because they're a great pair. You know, from there, he does The Dark Knight, and that once again solidifies oh this dude's the real deal that movie made it so they didn't even care how much inception was gonna make they just let him make it wow and then it ended up being a smash and then it was like <laughs> oh we took a risk on this and it paid off you know and then obviously dark knight rises mm-hmm. you know makes even more money you know then he makes interstellar you know, which is a <laughs> which is a trip <laughs> you know but then he goes from there and then he makes Dunkirk, just as a movie based on the story of the Battle of Dunkirk. And it's even on a bigger, bigger scale. Like, his shots get wider and wider, and the, you know, the content almost gets, like, heavier in intensity and emotion. And then now we're going to see, you know, when Tenet comes out, that's a whole other thing. It's an espionage movie, but, you know, like every other, you know, movie, it has some sort of temporal manipulation. Mm-hmm. He, always, he has this thing with time. He always manipulates time through his movies in some way or fashion. Or has some sort of alienation in that regard. And that's become one of his signatures. And that's what I was pointing to earlier. If you have a signature, I'm more likely to dig deep. Okay. Because, you know, there's a lot of directors. They have signature style. Like, I like Spike Lee movies. He, he has a very distinct style. Especially for being a black filmmaker. His his movies are kind of like... They have this weird, surreal slant to them. Like, all, all the characters always have really unique names. Like, uh... Like, in Do the Right Thing, he has a... Middle-aged uh, woman. Uh, I think she's someone who's like kind of. She's kind of like regarded in the neighborhood. They call her mother sister. Mother sister. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Samuel Jackson uh, plays a radio, <laughs> a radio personality called Senior Love Daddy. Senior Love Daddy. Okay. Yeah. There's also this dude. He's like. He's like kind of like the. He's kind of like the. 
the drunk in the neighborhood. They call mm. him the mayor. <laughs> Yo, it's yeah, it's that's that's great. It's, re- it's really interesting <laughs> in this. But he also is another one you look at. He wasn't watching like the black films growing up. Like he wasn't into the black exploitation scene when it first came out. Mm. He was watching art films, like you know, watching Kurosawa, you know, Fellini, you know, anybody in the French New Wave. He was watching those movies, and then you see that influence come into play and it's like, Oh, this is kind of different than what you'd expect from someone like him, you know? And it, and it goes the same way with music, you know, being that was like the first artistic thing I started to do. I'm always watching a documentary on how an album was made. Like I will never not, okay. you know, look at what kind of equipment they used, you know, you know, if you're into jazz, you know, I'm getting a little bit more jazz now, you know, that's playing six degrees of separation like that is crazy because you could have a group of players play together for one album and then go off and do different things and never play again okay so i have a question for you then playing six degrees of separation with any of this media what is the most oddball connection you found the most strange pairing that you've made in that six person leap or six piece of work leap i don't i have yet to find something odd i mean there is the kind of there is the thing where um which the his versions actually came out in the compilation when uh, it's pointed out songs that Prince wrote that he didn't release under himself he had wrote written for other people uh-huh like the um, like the bangle song uh, manic monday okay that was written by him uh, that's something i did not know yeah yeah there's a there's a few other songs or the Sinead O'Connor um nothing compares to you mm-hmm. that was a song he had released under a different group that he produced for and then gave it to her and then it became a smash hit wow yeah, I mean, there's really, um, yeah, I don't know, it's hard to say, because it, it's really, it's more so, if you're looking at it, I think the only thing that, it's not a surprise, but there's this really strange Six Degrees of Separation that happened in the indie hip-hop movement of the late 90s, early 2000s, where literally everyone knew each other and or worked with each other, and these are like different parts of the country. Well, I mean, these people were probably just trying to make sure that they, you know, reached out to as many fans as they could by well yeah it was uh, well, like you know like uh they like in the early days of rhyme sayers entertainment atmosphere we're talking about they'd go to smaller towns that major artists would you know skip over and they'd try to tour all the time but it was this weird thing where just so many artists you know they were more connected back then than people on the internet now and this is like the early days of the internet like it wasn't hard to get somebody's phone number who lived across the country well yeah That's but like... I, i'm talking 1998 2000 you know, and just all these people, and I'm just like, what? And, uh, like, it's uh, it's kind of funny when you look at things like um, LP from Run the Jewels. He's on a compilation album on his former label, Rockus Records, when he was in this group company, Flow. Eminem was on that same compilation. This was, like, 1998. Wow. And looking at where Eminem turned up, <laughs> kind of fighting for survival, and then LP just sort of blew up in the past, you know, almost decade. Especially since he started Run the Jewels. Hmm. I mean, there's also a thing where you see rappers who went to high school together. Like, you know, Biggie, Jay-Z, and Busta Rhymes all went to the same high school. Seriously? Yeah. Dude, there are so, there you know. so many things where everybody sort of knows each other from back in the day, and see? then they all get famous. <laughs> and this is this is the thing I was talking about. Like, I don't know any of this. I don't have any of this information stored because it's not something I go looking for. Like, for me, it's like uh, the journey they went on, not really relevant for, for my purposes, you know, but the stuff they make is what I'm enjoying. You know? Right, but for you, you have to understand every step of their process. You know? Yeah, and what it's made a, them who they are, what drove them to make the, the content that they're making. Well, it's also another thing, you know. Music and film—they're the industries where, not so much in film, but in music, the technology changes at such a rapid pace mm-hmm. that there's so many different areas you can look at that all have unique sounds. So um, it's more so. It's like you know, it's just like you—you you have this lexic kind of history that's just. You know, so, you know, there's so much going on all at once and it just, it constantly grows. Okay. So back to, back to the question you asked me, do you feel like there are any, uh, limitations to your viewpoint as the faceless? Um, you feel it pulls you away from stuff. No, no. The problem is when I listen to a song and I'm rearranging it in my head on how I think it would sound better. Oh, man. or I'm recutting scenes of movies in my head that I think could be shot better. Yeah, you're I also can, I can see that. You also, when you get to know certain things, you you notice weird things. 
there are things that will not make sense. Like, like especially because, like, you know, I go well, to school for give audio engineering. Um, <clears throat> well, one, you, uh, <laughs> you, if you're into sound in movies, you will never not hear the Wilhelm scream in anything. Never not hear the Wilhelm scream? You will never not, like, if it's there, you notice it right away. Like, whole crowd screaming, they'll throw that sound bite in there. You can point it out like, oh, it happened right there. Is that is that the scream they use generally when people are, like, set on fire by a flamethrower? Or they're, or they're like, pushed off of something. Oh, okay. Hold on, hold on. Maybe, maybe you can find it and play it. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's one of those identifiable sounds, and I think it goes back, like, to the 30s or something like that. yeah that yeah. one yeah that <laughs> that sound you will never not hear that but also you'll hear if a mix doesn't sound right you'll you'll notice it mm-hmm. or if there's certain sounds that don't make sense you'll notice it okay do you feel do you feel there are people you're at odds with because of your uh your point of view when it comes to consuming media like for example, not let's not let's not use me as an example because we kind of yeah. understand and get along. But like, if another person approached you with like, my point of view, would you feel like you were at odds or there would be a butting of heads? I'd have so to, to I'd speak. have to kind of like I'd have to break down where it's gonna have to dig deep. Mm-hmm. I'd have to break down where they're coming from because, like I said, it's like are you some sort of are you just some pseudo intellectual who thinks he knows what he's talking about, mm-hmm. or do you actually have knowledge to back it up? Because I don't I don't argue things unless I can back it up. Okay. So it do, it makes it a little bit harder. It's it's even harder with people who share my point of view. Um to the contrary, I don't mean to talk about myself right here for a second, but I I will argue a point that I'm not 100% on. Worst case scenario, I turns out I'm right. Best case scenario, I learn something new. That's that's how I approach those situations. So when I'm at odds with someone, I'll be like, "Yeah, whatever. This is how I uh, this is what I know about it." And then they're like, actually, no, if you read this and you do this and you'll understand this. And then I'm like, all right, cool. I learned, you know, I've known people who operate on that. And there's certain individuals, you know, you know, the individuals I'm talking about, too. You know, you, there's specific people, I know there's specific people you could pull out of your head that I'm referring to where it you have to be careful with that. Because are they spreading it to other people who aren't in the same conversation? Like if you share something on Facebook, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. You're being corrected. But are they going to see that correction? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's where it is. It's like you gotta be careful. Are we spread? Are we spreading propaganda or fake news, <laughs> or do we really actually want to learn something? If it's a one-on-one thing, fine. But once it gets into the space of like social media or the internet, you gotta be careful because you know there's a reason there's still flat earthers around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's see. Yeah. Oh no. But actually, I'll finish. Uh, it is. It, it's hard being around people because sometimes I don't really like a lot of people who are into the same stuff I am or the same approach. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of the time they're just not fun people to be around in general. Like they don't they don't know how to turn that part of their brain off. That was that was gonna be the follow up question. Oh, like was how, it? How oh, do okay. you how do you fit around a crowd of people that don't think the same way? It's you gotta be you gotta be careful because it can very easily become goodwill hunting. You've seen goodwill hunting, right? Yeah, but the not dude, for years. The dude <laughs> do you remember the dude in the bar where Ben Avascare was trying to go talk to a girl and this dude was like flexing his knowledge on a subject because he like he like lied and said he was in a class and he was trying to like, oh, well, what do you think of this? Oh yeah. And yeah, then yeah. and then yeah. Will comes up and he's like, Oh, you say this now, but when you get to this chapter, you're gonna talk about this. Oh, when you get to here, you're gonna talk about this because he already knew it because he read mm. all those books anyway. That's that's kind of what happens. It's like, oh, it's you know, they are what they read instead of actually internalizing it or processing it properly. Okay. Okay. You know, it's like, you know, they almost deal in absolutes without actually understanding <laughs> firsthand what it really means that they're talking about. That makes a lot of sense. If, if there's any takeaway from this, I'm, I'm understanding better how to approach these people. Yeah. Uh, let's see. But they're not all terrible. You, no. just, you just got to find the right ones. Yeah, and it's, I mean, and it's, it's always the intention. Like you, if you, you know, if you come across a person like purest are the worst to deal with, especially if it's on specific things, like mm-hmm. people who only listen to classic rock. Oh my goodness. Some of the worst people ever. Expand your palate. Seriously. There's, there's so much out there for you to be restricting yourself to just one thing. Well, and it's always like people who are really like, I'm, I will be the first person to tell you I'm not really into eighties rock. I mean, who genuinely is? I've met some people. 
We're funny people. We I have mean, friends like there's, that. There's older people that like grew up with it, and that's why they're into it. And then we have the people that are just like obsessed with it because that's what their parents listen to around them. Well, yeah, but it's like if I go to the 80s, it's literally like synth pop, new wave, or like mm-hmm. if it's the only band. And they even kind of drifted into that after a while, The Cure. <laughs> like I listen to Prince and The Cure or Duran Duran or something like that, but no, nah, get the hair metal out of my face. Yeah, I got plenty of metal these days. I don't need the hair metal. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to struggle to come up with uh, questions for this because I don't deep dive people. <laughs> this is a challenge within itself. Yes, it is. <laughs> you got, you actually, you almost have to kind of do what I do in order to make this section of the content. Yeah. Move. Cause every, every question I'm thinking of is very surface, you know, it's just going to be like, ah, oh, some topical stuff. Like, uh, oh, what was your favorite uh, uh, example of this or whatever? Oh, we could do that because it, well, maybe it could show the perfect dichotomy for it. It's like you, you offer something surface level and I break it down. Okay, uh, which which film would you say is the most most which which film would you say requires the most like face point of view to enjoy that you actually enjoy and then I guess deep dived it to find better or more more value in it. So what I, what what I'm asking <clears throat> I should I should phrase it better. Which film would you say is the simplest? Air quotes that you turned into a deeper experience. See, it's hard because with stuff like that, there are certain things where it kind of points to it's not, you don't deep dive the art itself, you deep dive the history of where you can find certain influences. Like the best movie for surface looking people that isn't, it's hard for me to recommend because it is certain people. Like, I think you like mm-hmm. it, but my favorite movie of all time, Upstream Color. Mm-hmm. There is no way you can do whatever you want to break it down in every which way. There is a core concept that you just have to accept because it's a strange movie. It's a very strange movie and it's not something you, you don't sit up. It's because it's by Shane Carruth who did Primer. It's the opposite of Primer. Okay. Now that you said that, I feel I absolutely have to watch it. I'm, I, in fact, I'm going to watch it this week so we can talk about it on the next episode. <laughs> I think that's, that, well, that's part of the next episode, though. That is part of it. Remember? We're, well, I thought we were doing the music. No, we're supposed to. We're supposed to be doing music, or do you want to do them as separate episodes? I would. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll do like a trade our favorite movies <laughs> yeah. and then talk about it, and yeah. then do favorite music next. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where that was a movie where it was the experience itself is is enough mm-hmm. to where you don't really need anything else. To appreciate it more, you would have to, like, you'd maybe want to get into, like, what might have influenced it. Because there, you know, if you know film, you can kind of pick out influences. But it's such a, it's one of those rare films that's so unique that it, there, it, it's almost like there's nothing like it before it and there won't be anything like it after. Okay. But it's also, it's it's a movie, it, it vibes heavy. Like, that movie is pure vibe. Pure vibe. It's that, pure that, vibe. That's the. That, it's, well, it's also it's um. Though. Well, the whole the whole third act is uh. Well, I also tell people, you know, because like I'm very vehemently against you know texting or memeing while watching movies. Mm-hmm. If it's something I've seen before, maybe, or if it's something I'm not interested, in, I might. But this is when you literally have to watch the whole thing. The whole third half is almost devoid of dialogue, except for quotes being read from Henry David Thoreau's Walden. Wait, 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 wait. The whole third half? The whole third, the, the, whole the whole third act. Okay, third act, okay. The whole third act. So the last, like, 30 minutes of the film, the only, the only <laughs> thing that there's going to be spo- some, like, special twist the where only- it's, like, the movie's over. Ah, here's another half of a movie. No. <laughs> no, but it's, like, literally the only thing that's spoken are quotes from Henry David Thoreau's book, Walden. Wow, okay. Which is, which ends up being tied into the narrative. <laughs> Which That's... is really interesting, but yeah, it's just like like I, I showed you that trailer. It just oh yeah, it, yeah, it, that it, was... you instantly got intrigued. It's like, <laughs> it's like that dude. He's like oh, the yeah. one line. That's all it took. Just, my head is made of the same material as the sun, and then just ominous music plays. You see all this weird random stuff. There's pigs. There's flowers. There's a gun. I think the specific part that really got me, and I was like, I, I'm probably gonna see this movie sometime soon. Is that when he said that, like you could see it was a shot of like his torso, but his head wasn't visible. You know, so I thought like maybe there's something actually going on with his fucking head. <laughs> it's it's actually a lot cooler because it's it's very sci-fi, but it's also like not at the same time. Like it's not the tip was like his head isn't really made of the sun. You'll mm-hmm. see w- that whole scene. You'll see what plays out, and it okay. makes it even better. Okay, <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's just one of those. That's the perfect one to show somebody. But uh, but there's also other movies like uh, one of my favorite movies is this uh, movie called uh, Mona Lisa by director Neil Jordan, uh, which stars Bob Hoskins, who was uh, 
which no one's gonna know who that is. He played the dude in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Played the the main the main the lead. The dude, yeah. yeah. The yeah. The detective. Yeah, he played the detective. Which, fun fact, apparently Eddie Murphy was offered that role first and he turned it down. No! <laughs> yep. And he, he says Eddie, that. Eddie, why? And he says it's the only one he regrets turning down. <laughs> that would have been so damn good. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, yeah. That's, uh, Not to say that the other guy didn't do a great job because that's still a good movie, but. But the fact that Eddie Murphy turned it down, it's yeah. like, why? He says it's the only one he regrets. Okay. The only one. And I'm just so like, sad. man. But yeah, it's it's just a really it's just an example of a good movie. It also stars a young Michael Caine, young ish, mm-hmm. because it's in the eighties, and he plays the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Or one of the bad guys in the movie. But uh it's just a good story. It's uh it kinda operates in the framework. It's um it it seems very taxi driver influenced. It has that vibe, but you know, it's it's also a movie where it's like the the protagonist, it's like he's almost he's he you actually want to feel sorry for him. Like he's just, he got out of jail. He took the rap for something that I think he didn't do if I remember it correctly. And he's just a dude who's just, you know, trying to do better. Like, you know, he, there's a scene where he goes to his ex-wife's house or I don't know if they were married, but he tries to see his daughter and, it, and the mother's like, no, go away. <laughs> <clears throat> but no, it's a, no, it's just a really good movie. And I think, um, yeah. Or like there's director Terrence Malick. It's really hard. You, you shouldn't deep dive his movies, especially cause like he's very image. He's a very image-oriented director. Like, you know, you know, like, there's no, like, you, 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 no one's looking in the camera in any of these movies. Like, even faces are sometimes obscured. It's like, there's this, like, wandering camera. Especially uh, because he uh, used, for a lot of movies in recent years, he used uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, who's a very gifted cinematographer. He did, uh, did you see The Revenant? Uh, not recently, no. Not recently? Did you see it at yeah. all? He did that movie. Okay. So it's like, he always, his, his, his like, the camera's always kind of cascading around things. And then with his movies, it's even more intense. It's like, you know, nobody's looking in the camera. There's always like, he always has this like, it's always, you know, very basic. There's voiceovers happening constantly. You know, there's no like direct narrative in a lot of the stuff, but it just, he has a style that just works. And it's very, you know, it's very, it's, it's vibe heavy. It's vibe heavy. It's vibe heavy. It's, it's, it's it runs on pure vibes. That's, that's, that's the description <laughs> for everything going into 2020. If it's good, it's vibe heavy. It's, it's all vibes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, you know, and I'd say, yeah, it's just kind of, I've always, I love the process and just being creative is really what got me into it because there's just, there's just so much history. Okay. There's just so much of it. It's, it's like, it's like, I can never be bored of anything because there's so much out there. Okay, uh, I'm thinking, based on your responses, this is probably going to be the final question, but what was the point in your life where you kind of understood that this was going to be your frame of mind going forward? Like, at what point in your youth did you did you first deep dive something and just get hooked on, like... I don't know if I really deep dive something. It's when I first got into music, I would, like, kind of, like, I always try to know everything about whatever I could get my hands on. I'll tell you the the. the so you basically had like an unending thirst <clears throat> to understand what was going on. Yeah, I'll tell I'll tell you. I, I wanted to do music because I watched Eight Mile. Seriously, yeah. Eight Miles? What got you into yeah, dude, it? Eminem used to be my favorite rapper. <laughs> I mean, and I, 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 he was everybody's I, favorite. I, rapper. I started, you know, I was like, that got me to that got me to write. You know, I wanted to originally be a rapper, and then eventually I was like, oh, let's get some turntables, try DJing, and then it got to the point where like, well, I don't want to ever pay anybody. Let's just learn. The whole production, process yeah. Just, let's just yeah. learn everything. I will say the the movie that made me want to do movies, like the thing that really wanted me to get me to do film. I think it was uh, the year two thousand seven was big for me when it came to movies because I was going to movies regularly. Like, me and my dad went to movies all the time when mm-hmm. it was just us or with my sister or whatever, with my mom too. Like I remember the first movie I saw that year was Smoking Aces. That was a good movie, and then it's and not everybody loved it, but I was like, there's something about that. I was like, oh, it's cool. And then I remember I bought. Um, I got I, I I pretty much bought like the starter pack the cinephile starter pack where mm-hmm. I had a a rec room for a dream I bought Donnie Darko yeah. Pulp Fiction you know I was really into Fight Club at the time but when I watched Rec Room for a Dream I loved it 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 was a it was a, a dual pack where it came with Darren Aronofsky's first movie Pie that movie was a movie where it's like I I I want to make movies okay so Eight Mile and Pie. Yeah, those are the starting <laughs> points. Well, well, Pi wanted me to made me want to make movies. Primer solidified that fact. Upstream Color made me 
Primer was, Primer was like the the case study that proved that you c- you can, so you shouldn't like give up on your dream. Is that what you're well, saying? Well, no, it, it was more. So, it was it solidified. Like I definitely want to do movies. Upstream Color was I have to do movies. <laughs> that well, was that, the point. Where I was like, I'm doing this. The next movie he releases, you're like, my movies aren't out yet. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh um yeah. So that was that was pretty much it, you know. And it's I just love the process. You know, it's like I have to exist. Someone has to preserve the art form and the history. You know, there's some people who just have to be the consumer. That seems like a monumental undertaking, you know, to be. To <laughs> it's almost a burden. Like, there's yeah. expectations. Like, that's why, you know, it's like when uh, like when Prince died, it was sad not only because, you know, or just any of the music, well, anybody who died in 2016, we almost have to, we have to carry that torch. Whether you're a known artist or an unknown artist, we have to do right by the people who came before us. I I I guess I don't understand that 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 point of view. You know, but like, as an I, artist, I, I get you know. the whole like maintaining the the art form or like, well, I'll just say maintaining the art form. But you don't have to carry a, a like the past generation's torch, from my point of view, at least. Like I, I feel like yeah, you should maintain some integrity when it comes to like the the, the way that the material is made, but. You don't have to keep any of their style. Oh, no, that's what I meant. I, I meant that we have to do our best to make sure that it doesn't get to the point where just there's there's nothing good anymore. Because it could get to that. That's how I mean, I the main, about, mainstream like, gets mainstream gets that way sometimes. Good is subjective, though. What's good to well, one yeah. person is, is good to or is bad to another. I don't yeah. think we'll ever hit a point where everything's bad. I don't think we'll ever hit a point where everything's good. As long as there's like... As long as there's people like you and people like me, there will always be a, enough of a difference. I, know, I said, dude, I said bad. the 70s, all the movies were good. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was, well, the the 70s, it was, there was a lot more good than bad, but it was also the industry, it was artist run. Mm-hmm. Where it was, you didn't have that issue of, uh, oh, I don't want to watch this. It was like, everything was artistic. Everybody, you know, everything everybody was, was doing everything. It was, it was, you know, it was the Wild West. It was a lawless wasteland. You could do whatever you wanted. It was done for the, for the art and for the media, not for the, for the dollar, the almighty dollar. Yeah, then the 80s hit and then, you know, you know, or I say the blockbusters happened with Jaws and Star Wars and then the 80s happened and they're like, they were like oh, wait we a minute, this we can make how much? real money. <laughs> and then the 90s, you know, what happened in the 90s, they were like, oh yeah, we could really make some money. And now we're to the point where it's like, is it going to make money? No, we're not shooting it. <laughs> or it doesn't even matter this because there's so many people making movies. You can make, you know, it doesn't, you don't have that barrier anymore either, which is really nice. You know, anybody, if you have an iPhone, you can make a movie. That is, that is a blessing in disguise. I the, saw, I saw tech, a movie. I the, saw the film that was made entirely on an iPhone. Yeah, right? Unsane yeah. by Steven Soderbergh. I saw that in theaters. It was great. That you know? that really impressed me. I was like, this I this thing in my in my pocket, I can become like a filmmaker with this. Yeah, what? you just that's just start out. You could start out with that, and then eventually get the bigger stuff. Mm-hmm. We could record the podcast on the iPhone if we no, really wanted. Not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I have better means available, no. All right. Well, that you know, I'd say that was that was a good way to wrap it up. Uh, yeah, probably. So. Um, this is the face and the faceless getting ready to sign off. Yeah. Uh, uh, any like lead into the next episode, maybe? Uh, well, the next episode, we're going to swap our favorite movies and see how that goes. Movies or music? Movies. We're gonna do the next one's going to be movies. Yeah, next for one sure. Be movies. Okay. Maybe the next one can be music. But the, the next one, movies for sure, because I can tell the more I talk about Upstream Color, the more I can <laughs> tell you're like, I got to watch this. You really want me to watch Upstream Color. Well, it's amazing because you're one of the only people, it's like, we have no problem consuming what the other has to suggest. Like, there are people who are just like, I don't I don't take blind suggestions from anybody. But you're one of those people who was like, with your point of view, I'm almost curious to what you like. Like, <laughs> oh, it's like, I'm in for a wild ride because it's like, it doesn't matter what it's about. He likes it. Man, when it comes down to like us swapping books, that's gonna be a wild ride because there's one book from my youth that I will never forget, and that's gonna be the one that I'm like, you need to read this. <laughs> swapping books. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna give you some weird out of my collection. Some, All right. Or some weird philosophy gonna, or business book or something I'll, weird. I'll have to go and buy a copy of this book because I haven't read it since I was like 15. But. All right. Well, yeah, you know. So yeah. Good things that, coming. That, that was yeah, more good things. You know. I mean, These first two episodes, I'd say, are more of like an understanding. You know, yeah. going forward, it's going to be more about consumption, more about consumption, and about our, you know, all the people we want to bring and introduce the world oh, to. For sure. So yeah, 
as always, stay hustling, stay hydrated, because drinking water is always important. Stay on that water grind. And a requirement for listening to this podcast. <laughs> Don't drink water, you're banned. <laughs> <laughs> you are excluded from the club. Oh, man. No, no dehydrated allowed. Well, all right. See you guys next time. See you.